Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Imagine This. I'm Trent. I'm Brashina. And today we are joined by a pretty special guest, if I do say so myself. Clarissa, tell everyone a little bit about you. Hi, uh, my name is Clarissa Pompa, and I am the PR specialist and the diversity outreach coordinator for the Waco Civic. And that title is always super long, and it was really fun to make my business card because I was like, this was actually a restatement of the title on my contract because that was like three lines. I did not make my contract, so I couldn't make it more concise. But yeah, the shortened title is PR Specialist and Diversity Outreach Coordinator. The shortened title. So break that down for us just a little bit, if you would, right? It feels like there are two pretty specific roles and certainly they intertwine Mm -hmm. in some ways. But tell us a little bit about what that means when you're doing public relations yeah. or when you're doing outreach in terms of diversity. What does that look like? So how I describe it to like the middle schoolers that I volunteer with is that basically my job is to go around town just like raving about the Waco Civic Theater. <laughs> That's like at its very core is like, so I'm going to be going to public relations like for media outlets. I'm going to be going to like interviews or setting up stuff so that way I can talk about upcoming events and talking about like our best foot forward and being like, this is all the great work that the civic is doing or in my diversity outreach role, I'm going around and talking about how amazing the civic is and how we're wanting to have a fuller, like look at what Waco is and have that be reflected on our stages. So it's talking about like, I love the fact that we're do we did light in the piazza, but you know, my dream is to be able to do on your feet, right? Mm. I want to do the Gloria Stefan musical so badly. And so like I want to be able to have the ability to have these different shows on our stage, which means I'm going out and I'm raving about the opportunities that you're able to accomplish, like of all ages in theater. And so that way I can get different audiences both to be in our audience and also on our stage. Yeah, I love that. And I, I like how you boiled it down for all of the mini middle schoolers listening mm-hmm. to our mm-hmm. podcast. Oh, yes. Um, and for those of us who, you know, are not middle schoolers, but <laughs> anything broken down in much the same way. Oh, yeah. Raving about 
the Waco Civic. I think it's a great way to talk about your job. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And for those of you who are listening and going, hmm, wait a second. Yes, we are talking about community theater today, yes. right? And and it's important because we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about professional theater, mm-hmm. um, which is deeply important. However, we can't talk about professional theater without also every now and then coming back and talking about the importance of community theater. Mm-hmm. Because frankly, at the very least, most professional theater persons mm-hmm. got their start in community theater. Exactly. That's where people start to fall in love with it. That's where so many of us saw our first show that got us excited mm-hmm. was at a community theater setting. Yeah. It's where so many of us participated in our first show kind of outside of that little safety bubble maybe church or school Mm -hmm. it's where we started to get our feet wet and fall in love with this craft and so that's what we want to talk about today is the place of community theater and the importance that it holds for the community that it's in so as someone who spends their professional time raving about (laughs) exactly that could you kick us off a little bit, Clarissa? Why is community theater essential? We spend a lot of time answering that question about yeah. theater in general. Yes, Why is do. it essential? So community theater, how come? I mean, you hit the nail on the head, like the fact that for the most part, like you can see a pretty common trend of like professional actors, Broadway or or a film or TV, they get their, they're interested in school or church or something. And then they're like, I'm interested in doing this outside of like this environment. And so they're able to go to the community theater and the actors who move on or who move on is like, you know, but the actors who continue forward in that path, it's because they're encouraged by the community theater that they were in. They're encouraged by the environment, by by their fellow actors, by the ethics that they're being taught there. The community theater is a way for, and not a The community theater is not only a way for professional actors to be able to like move forward in their path, but a big thing that I'm a fan of is, especially when we're talking with children, is like giving important life skills that you will learn in schools, but to give you an environment outside of that regimented like school environment and a place for you to like, oh, these aren't the people I'm around like eight to five, nine to five, four, whatever, you know, whether it's work or school. This is a different community. I have to have a different interaction with them. And it gives them a chance to literally find their voice or a way to like maneuver around a stage, like especially the Waco Civic currently is an in the round theater. So it's really good for that kind of public speaking when you're sitting in the middle of a big room and you're like, who do I talk to now? I have to make sure I'm addressing all sides. So that very practical like aspect of how do I talk to people and project my voice like these very simple life skills that you're able to get in a community theater and it's easy to relate it to kids I'm the oldest of six kids you know like kids are really where my heart is I do a lot of like volunteering for my church and everything within like the children so that's why it's very easy for me to bring it back to that I really love doing troop over at the Waco Civic Theater because it's this opportunity for kids to not be around the same theater kids they're always around. It's a chance for kids 
to interact outside of we're in a play, we're in a musical, we have to like stick to our lines. The director's telling us to shush because we're being too loud on the stage. It's a chance for them to engage in that. And so kids have a bit of a harder time with that. I'm not going to say adults don't struggle with that too because we have to shush the adults on the stage too. But like the adults have the ability to meet outside of the community theater, whereas the kids need that safe space sometimes to really like, oh, I'm not at school. I can let my hair down. The teachers aren't watching me. Nobody's going to report to my parents. I just get to be like a little bit more lax. You know, the school day is over. But like, that's what I love about like, we have so many people that we meet as adults in the community theater because it's hard to make friends as adults. It's hard to do that. When I started my job at the Civic, it was like right as like the restrictions around COVID were like coming down a little bit. And it was like, okay, I'm, I'm in this town. I was here as a college student, but I didn't have a car. So now I'm getting to know people. What am I supposed to do? How do I do that? And then I got to a theater and it was just like a rotating cycle of people who like I knew or who I didn't know. And then seeing new people come into town and seeing all these friendships form out of a community theater. It's, it's literally in the name, like community. Like I think that's the biggest aspect of community theater is being a community. That's what we're wanting, you know, like no man is an island, all of that. But like for real, community is important and being able to cross those boundaries and those barriers in a theater in a safe space it's monumental yeah I agree like there's there's an accessibility to community theater for a lot of people mm -hmm. because there's not as many barriers to it like sometimes there is a cost affiliated yeah. with it but it's normally like much smaller than mm -hmm. if you were doing like sometimes drama clubs at schools or mm -hmm. you know outside of your community that sort of thing or if you're you know going out of state to do things so yeah there's like that there's a very interesting um aspect to community theater where you you do get to like meet different people within your community that you wouldn't have met before mm -hmm. um i i was one who also like grew up in community theater my the first production that i ever saw was of the nutcracker mm -hmm. in new york and i was like wow that's mm -hmm. amazing um and so when i came back from our school trip that we saw that at um, my mom was like, well, let's get you in theater. And so it was like figuring out, you know, who do I talk to mm -hmm. and going to your, our community theater people and being like, oh yeah, let's get into drama club. And I was homeschooled at the time. Mm -hmm. So we found a drama club within our homeschooling okay. group and just like that sort of accessibility is really like what gets you into theater. Like it's a welcoming space for mm -hmm. you. Um, I, I love that aspect of community theater. And I think I see that so much in troop mm -hmm. with Waco Civic. Like that's such a cool thing for the kids to be able to get together and do that. Like mm -hmm. that's awesome. My dream for troop is that we're able to provide transportation because I want that accessibility. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that it's a free hour and a half on Mondays for those kids to come into the space. But I know that a large part of like accessibility is like the time and availability of the parents. And mm -hmm. as someone who was the oldest of six kids, you know, the only reason I was able to do things after school was because it was at school and my parents didn't have to drive me around too much. And I was able to like bum a ride off of somebody, you know? So I want to be able to like work with local districts or something to be able to provide transportation. So that way other demographics of children will be able to like truly have like the theater be accessible. Like that's one of my like big dreams for Troop is to like have that ability. I love that. And I, I also love that you talk about um, community theater having 
uh, well, we were just, you know, speaking about community theater, having an accessibility to it. And you briefly mentioned like coming out of COVID in mm-hmm. community theater. Um, and there were a lot of like interesting conversations mm-hmm. about like what does community theater mean when you can't put on shows? Mm-hmm. So like, do you have a sort of take on that as like, what does, what does community theater mean to you? That's a great question because full disclosure, I was not a theater kid. I've never like been on a stage. I mean, I did make a brief appearance during the Sondheim concert, you know, but I was a band kid first and foremost. I was a mathlete. Like that was my specific type of nerdum. So I've never been a stage kid ever. I mean, else we count VBS, which I was a drama leader. So, okay. <laughs> but like, so my, my definition of community theater really didn't get developed until this like post COVID Post-COVID, I hesitate to say post-COVID, you know, mm-hmm. but, but post that big first, like, two years, you know. Um, but that's really been my main definition of community theater, actually. So I would say that community theater during that time was defined by the lack, honestly. I think community theater was defined by, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know. And so there were, um, there was, like, during COVID, Wild Imaginings and Silent House both like came out of that, you know, so it was that we need to do something like there is an ache here that's like, no, no, no. Community theater, like it's not just like something that I do or something, but it's something that I, I need. It's a it's an avenue that I need to pursue, you know, I have this, <laughs> I wasn't a drama kid, but am I dramatic? Yes. So there's this like, um like a deep yearning. And I don't know for sure if the the word is a kenning, but like, I know ken is knowledge, is to know, you know, to ken something. And so when you have like a deep yearning and ache in my head, my word for that is a kenning, you know, I've just made my own word, it's fine. Um, so, but during COVID, there was like a kenning, like within everybody of, oh, this is something that I took for granted. You know, and so I think that community theater during that was defined as a as a necessity just by the lack of it. And so there's been, you know, a hesitance to like come back to it because there COVID is still very much around. So there's like a rightful hesitance in like what is acceptable, what is safe, you know. But I think community theater, yeah, has been defined by the knowledge of, oh, this is where we need to be. Awesome. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we've talked a good bit about the experiences of children entering into the community theater, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that I love about community theater, um, and it has to do with this conversation around accessibility, is that it's not only accessible to children. Mm -hmm. I Before I kind of entered the more professional theater space, I spent a lot of years directing community theater, and the number of adults whose first time it Mm -hmm. was on stage always surprised me in the best kind of way but I'm people are looking for a new thing whether they want to learn a new skill or they just want to find a new group of people to interact with a place where they fit Mm -hmm. because I think that's really what all of us desire you were talking about a kenning a Mm -hmm. longing I think we all have a longing to find a place that feels safe and Mm -hmm. that feels like our own. And I think that a lot of people, even on into adulthood, find that sometimes for the first time in community theater spaces, which I think is 
really, really fascinating and really important. I think the other side of the coin with adults in community theater is that you have people who've been doing this their whole life Mm -hmm. um, and not in a professional capacity, just something that they love to do. Yeah. And having now directed on community stages and school stages and professional stages of my own and of other people's, frankly, I've worked with people in community theater spaces who have never been paid for a play in their life who are just as talented oh, as yeah. people in professional mm-hmm. spaces. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you have you're sitting there going, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you're you're just a mom. I know. Like that's you that's that's what you do. Because uh-huh. you're just a mom who also happens to be like one of the most phenomenally talented humans that I now know. Absolutely. What? My and She's going to hate that I'm going to do this. However, I'm going to. Rachel, I love you. So my my former intern, she was with me for like the summer and this past fall. Rachel, she was in Bright Star before she started like a full internship with me. She had done a class with us, but I didn't really get to know her then. I saw her in Bright Star and oh my God, she's insanely talented and like, so elegant and graceful like her voice and her dancing and I would just get hit sometimes be like no she's my intern because she's in like a journalism like communications degree like she's not pursuing theater she's not pursuing performance Mm -hmm. she could very well go into theater and performance and I'm like I'm so happy that like my field gets you but also like if you ever wanted to consider a career change, like <laughs> it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Like Rachel, I love you. Like I'm going to tell you I did this. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah, like the people, the adults who just like the talent is just bursting out of them. Mm-hmm. It's insane. There are people who are accountants and teachers and moms, and then they just become this whole other person. And it's like, we contain multitudes. Like sometimes I'm at work. I, love that. I got it from this podcast collective I listen to. It's called the Multitude, like the collective. <laughs> anyway, but like yeah, we contain multitudes. Uh, and they got it from Kerouac, I believe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but people like I'll like be at work sometimes, and I'll just like be out loud, like be like, people are so fascinating, and people are so different, and they're like, yeah, because I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like we are all human beings. Okay, we all have like hearts and bodies and limbs of some fashion, right? However, like, I grew up in the same household as my siblings. I'm the one who came out of it with like a musical obsession, right? And my other brother came out of it with a video game obsession, right? Like, we all have these different passions that happen. And like, I'm also a huge comic book nerd, right? I'm a big musical nerd. I play the clarinet. Like, I love Jeopardy. Like, all of these different passions, like, they don't all have to like, line up to be one person, you know, like the perfect job for me is going to be the job that's going to be where I, uh, I go to a Jeopardy musical and there's going to be a superhero that comes into it. Like there, there's not anything like that. You know, it's just, you find something that you love and then that's not the end all be all people can do anything and they do. And you see that when you look at the, the cast and you're like, Oh, that's my sorority sister in there. And that's my neighbor's son. And I had no clue they were going to be in this. It's absolutely amazing.
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, for some of us, like Brigitte and I, Theater is like the only possibility that we can imagine in a professional capacity. Mm -hmm. But for so many people who also love theater, there are other things that they want to spend their professional time doing for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons. Yeah. But then still need. And I love that earlier you said need and Mm -hmm. not want, because Mm -hmm. I do think that that's the correct verb Mm -hmm. people need still that opportunity to perform to act yeah to play pretend to tell stories i storytelling storytelling is so deeply integral to humanity it's i love the stars i'm a huge big you look up at the stars and you look at the constellations and the stories behind the constellations that we've been telling for like thousands of years. Okay. Those are stories that we've been telling. That's something that humanity has been doing for eons. Okay. And whether it's a story of like, this is how I killed that animal, or this is a story of like how we got fire. This is a story of how I was driving today and I was going to go to the wrong place. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, We have been telling stories for so long. It is a need. It is something that connects us. It's something that crosses barriers and boundaries and connects us in a way that we take for granted because we're just like, oh, I'm just talking. No, I was at a, I was at a cafe for the Hispanic chamber. Right. And I was like, you guys can perform. It's okay. We're all here anyway. And we're all putting our best foot forward to try to like network with each other. That's just a different kind of performance. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but you are acting right now and you're doing it naturally. Some of us do it better than others. I get a little nervous, a little anxious, but luckily for me, when I get nervous and anxious, I talk fast. And when I'm excited, I talk fast. It's a great thing for me. It's a great way to work out, okay? But like, we have that ability. 
we have that need and that urge to storytell and theater and, and so many things are part of that. I, oh my gosh. Okay, guys. So I know Trent, you and I, like there's some of those like obscure, like more obscure of the cast musicals that come out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you heard of Epic, the Troy saga? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm obsessed. Not necessarily because I'm like, oh, it's like an earworm. Like, here we go. I'm like obsessed with every single line of, of melody in here. I'm obsessed because it's a retelling of this like Greek epic from a million years ago, right? I know that's not accurate, but like from a million years ago. And it was like told like orally and it was this oral tradition and then it got written down and here we are. And now it's being updated for this modern, like this modern retelling, but it's still oral. We're still listening to it orally. Like it's a musical album and it's a retelling of this epic. And I'm just so blown away by the, like the, the meta context of this, of the fact that we are still retelling Town. We're still retelling these same stories mm -hmm. because no matter what, humanity like has these same themes and topics that transcend time. And so like, that's why I'm like in love with Epic, not only because like it does that, but because it's coming out in supposedly like nine installments, which is exactly how like Charles like Dickens was doing his like those Victorian penny novels or whatever, you know, like we're still doing that. And it's such a great update to like what we consider to be something that's old or something that's like antique or whatever. Like we're still human, like regardless of anything. And luckily now there's like a bit more accessibility to like who can be on the stage, you know? And we're still striving to continue that like journey and that progress. But like, again, like storytelling is absolutely one of the things that I think makes humans humans is that makes a person like, you don't know you're telling a story if you're just like talking about your day. You don't know you're telling a story when you're like playing pretend, but like storytelling is exactly what everybody needs. I, I get, I all about it. Yeah, I agree. I think that it comes from, I, I personally believe that we all need a creative outlet of mm -hmm. some kind. And I think that I see, I see it the most evident in people who I know that don't have it. I'm always mm -hmm. like, no, you gotta have something. Like, right? you, you can't just be this one thing. That's not how we're built. Mm -hmm. um, we all need a creative outlet. Sometimes that's watching something. Sometimes that is being on stage. Sometimes, you know, that's painting. Sometimes that's writing. You know, there's, there's a bunch of different things that you can do to have that creative outlet. And I think that like community theater, again, with its accessibility is one of the ways that you get to have that. So a lot of people do just think of themselves as like one thing, like I am my profession mm -hmm. and this is what I do. I am an accountant and this is what I do. But you have this ability to also create on stage or to create with your voice. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that aspect of community theater. I think it teaches us something about ourselves too when you get involved because mm -hmm. yeah. I've known quite a few, uh, you know, community creative processes where you get in and you're like, okay, this person is going to build the sets. And then all of a sudden they're on stage and you're like, oh my God, you should definitely be in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I love that about community theater. It's versatility. Mm -hmm. It's being able to bring in people without, you know, even thinking about it sometimes like, you know, everybody who's in the process can end up in a different place mm -hmm. at some point. And I love that. I love that so much. And you talk about stories. Mm -hmm. One of the things I'd love to ask you is how do community theaters or how should community theaters 
choose the stories that they tell. Oh, right? I yeah. mean, every theater, no matter what context they're performing within, has to make that choice, mm-hmm. right? So is there a difference in how community theaters make those choices? How do they choose yeah. the stories they put on stage? Well, I mean, putting on my diversity hat right now, you know, like we want to tell stories for everybody, but mm-hmm. it's hard to tell stories before you know you have that cast. And mm-hmm. so it's like, again, I would love to do On Your Feet, but can I appropriately tell that story in this time? I can put out a casting call for that, but am I going to be able to do it with dignity? And so it's taking a look at who you have right now and where you where your projections are for the next year and looking at, okay, well, I would like to do this, but I'm going to have to peel it back and maybe I'll do a smaller cast version. So instead of doing On Your Feet, you know, like again, big dream, eh, we're doing Native Gardens this year, which mm-hmm. is just calling for two Latinas to be like a young couple. Like that's it, just two Latinas and here we go. And even that was honestly a bit of a struggle because like we're still trying to make that that trust with the community, trying to say that like, it's okay to come in here. Like we want to tell your stories and like you can tell those stories and there's cultural differences that come into it. You know, like growing up in, in my community, you know, theater wasn't ever like a huge thing, you know, that I saw a lot of. It was in my high school, but it was, it wasn't like necessity. It was maybe the reason to go into marching band was because it would help me with my math and it would help me academically. That's why my dad wanted me in, in music. He didn't want me in choir. He wanted me in marching band, right? And so it's like trying to combat these ideas that people have in their heads. And so when you're choosing your season and choosing your shows, you have to like take a realistic look and not be optimistic, honestly, be pessimistic, which which is weird coming from me. But you have to be kind of pessimistic about like realistic about what are we capable of producing right now? And if we were to do this show, if we were to do a show with, um, like three African-American actors, right? Is it a show that honors like that community or is it a show that brings their trauma into the forefront, right? Is that a story we want to be telling? And for the most part, no, it's not. Like we, I personally just want to highlight and honor people, you know? I want people to feel excited to come into something. And if we're gonna do a show with serious matter, then it's like, what kind of efforts are you gonna be putting in to make sure that it's done correctly, you know? Are you gonna be bringing in like consultants to make sure that it's done well? Are you gonna bring like um, maybe some counselors in to like talk to the actors who are going to have to engage with like this darker like material or this like rougher like thing that they might have to like um, interact with something within them. So it's looking to see what you're willing to give to it and what you're capable of giving to it, you know? And so at the Civic, you know, we have to take into these things. We're doing a, more shows than I believe than we used to. So we have to look at our time and effort that we're able to give, which means maybe we can't do some of the more risque material, you know, because we have to, you know, think, okay, we only have like six weeks to do this. Is that enough time to give this material what it needs, you know? And so I think that's the main thing that when you're choosing material, you have to be realistic about your needs, but really about your, your resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love that you answered that question in such a practical way, because I think it's the part of choosing stories that people often don't think about. Mm-hmm. Right. And the truth of the matter is, is that you can 
dream as much as you want about Mm -hmm. all the stories you want to tell, but you have to then be able to tell them. And so I think that, you know, this tightrope that we walk when we're choosing shows, you know, I want to honor this community or I want to be able to have this conversation. But can I? I think is really actually quite important. And I think, you know, it's better to do it's better to not do something Mm -hmm. than to not do it well. Yeah. And so I think that I think there's a lot of wisdom in that practicality um and i also love that you brought up not only you know castability but subject matter right Mm -hmm. and i think that there's not only who is on stage and can we take care of them but also then who is your audience right Mm -hmm. different theaters have different audiences that's very true and so putting on shows that honor different aspects of the community is important, but then also doing shows that not that don't challenge your audience because that's not the point, but you want to do shows that in some ways make sense Mm -hmm. for your audience. What are they willing to have a conversation about? What are they expecting to see on Mm -hmm. stage? How do you balance these things out? Um, And that's when you're putting together a whole season that's what you have to think about because you're not choosing a single show. Mm-mm. You're choosing five, six shows. Yeah. And so how do you bring all of those different pieces together to make, not that you can make everyone happy, but that's in some ways, especially with the community theater and the conversation that we've just had, that's what you're trying to do, right? Is like make space for everyone, make it accessible for everyone, but also give different people that opportunity to perform and see their favorite show that brings some nostalgia because Mm -hmm. that's what they loved 20 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to balance out all of those things really. That's why I'm so glad I'm not on the selection committee. (laughs) (laughs) Clarissa's like, it's not my problem. (laughs) I'm, uh, I get to submit ideas. Uh, Eric, we should do daddy long legs. And so <laughs> I get to submit ideas, you know, but I don't have to, I, I get to counsel, but I'm not part of the, okay, so this is the hard deadline decision. I'm like, okay, I just need to market this decision the best I can and hope that they've made my job a bit easier for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful selfishly in that way. Um, but I, so yeah. this, I think this is actually interesting. You said selection committee, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So different theaters do this different ways. Waco Civic actually, and I knew this, but I think it's important for people to know it's not just one person yeah. choosing mm-hmm. a season, right? There are people like you who are submitting ideas, right? And there's more people than you who do that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a separate group of people that then choose a season and put it together from these ideas that have been submitted. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of people Mm -hmm. putting a lot of thought into the shows that get selected. It's a lot. And like, and I think when people think about, about theater, I think, I mean, I think when people think about theater, especially me, I think of musicals. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the selection community has a couple of people dedicated specifically to plays, you know, to like make sure that that is something that we're looking at. And that was kind of a blind. I've got a few blind spots in my like theater knowledge. Like, I don't think I've ever listened to Oklahoma when we did Music Man last season. That was the first time I'd ever listened to Music Man. Like if we're talking anything like pre this century <laughs> like we're we're walking like i can't walk on water like it's not it's Honestly, not gonna happen that's okay <laughs> but like okay. it's fine i'll just see it when when the when the civic does it when any of the other theaters do it i'm like okay got it like i don't think i saw into the woods until i saw y'all's into the woods wow. like i just don't know classics but 
I also don't know plays. And so I'm also really excited working at a community theater because it's a chance for me to like see these shows that I never would have been exposed to or I hadn't been yet. So we did Silent Sky in October and it's a, it's a beautiful play. It's a beautiful play. And apparently it's pretty popular in one act. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And I saw it and I was crying every single night. <laughs> and I've had the beautiful privilege to see so many shows on Broadway and on tour. You know, I've got a friend who lives in New York. So I've been able to like see at her apartment, cut down on costs. You know, it's been great. I've seen a million shows. But Silent Sky might have been like my favorite show I've ever seen. And maybe that has to do with like my obsession with the stars. Who knows? But, like I'm going to give it a little bit because of that. But I'm not going to. That cast was talented. They were a very talented cast. But it's because it was a play. And I wouldn't have expected one of my top shows ever to be a play because that's just not where my head was. Mm-hmm. But at a community theater, you're able to get it at a pretty low pl- price point, honestly. And I'm just so grateful that the selection committee picked that show. And like, you never know how that's going to affect the community. You just like pick a play that you think is going to sell maybe, or that you're interested in doing. I'm really excited that we're partnering with Silent House for Heather's this weekend, mm-hmm. because that's a show that I don't think our audience is prepared for, you know, like some of our audience would be excited for. But, you know, like, I think Silent House is going to do much better with their audience than we are. But we still get to have, like, we get to participate. We get to collaborate yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. We still get to, like, scratch that creative itch, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I love the ability that we have as theaters to, like, go into these different paths. And we just never know how that's going to affect anybody. You don't know if it's seeing Blue's Clues live at 5, if that's the thing that's <laughs> going to, like, get you interested. Mm-hmm. That was a great time. Or if, like, we're if seeing... uh Beauty and the Beast in your high school is going to be like, oh, okay, maybe you're going to be an actor and then you're helping out at the community theater and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's a tech day, so it's a work week, you know, and I'm going to help out the director by like chopping some stuff up, painting the scenery or whatever and being like, oh, wait, no, actually, this is also really enjoyable and I'm going to go into that. I'm going to explore that side you know because it's not just the actors or any of that i mean i know we all know that you know like the actors are not the only thing on on a broadway show or on a theater show you know mm-hmm. it's the uh, it's the stage managers it's the choreographers it's the it's the stage hands it's all these myriad of people and the fact that we're able to collaborate in that moment in a show that's what i loved about being in band like the concert was all of these people dozens of people coming together for, for like 10 minutes, you know, to be able to perform this piece that we've been spending hours on. And for band, it was like at max, like a 10, 15 minute piece that we spent like the whole semester on with, with theater. It's like two hours of like months or uh, months and weeks of work that you're putting into it. It's like Broadway shows have been working for years, you know, like all this time that you're dedicating into it, this heart that you have that of course you form a community at the end of it because you guys have been put literally, literally putting your heart and soul into that. And I think it's so important to like be able to see that opportunity and to see that that outcome, that consequence, that that reality afterwards. I just think that's something that's so beautiful. I do love that. And I I, I know we kind of like circled yeah. around a bit when we came back to it, but I do like that there is that accessibility with, with community theater. I, I think that there's so many ways that you don't know how somebody is going to be affected by things. Um, when it comes to like choosing a season and that sort of thing, you're trying to hit so many benchmarkers mm-hmm. um, that sometimes it can, it can feel a bit like overwhelming when you're looking at these different things. And then you do have people that are going to always be 
upset mm-hmm. you know with oh why didn't you do this show why didn't we do this show like well, there's always know. next season it's okay yeah thanks for giving us the idea <laughs> the show is not going anywhere <laughs> so the theater is going to be here i think that a theater like community theater can be quite accessible and that they're still sometimes like mm-hmm. modeling community theater is a lot of the times like modeled off of theaters that we have mm-hmm. and so like you know, community theaters will sometimes be like, oh, they'll, you know, follow seasons that are in New York Mm -hmm. or different places like that. And I think in doing that, they still have to do the work that like big theaters do when it comes to diversity Mm -hmm. and that sort of accessibility of like thinking about how do we get the actors in? Because I know that there have been like, sometimes it takes years to like get those actors in but it's a constant effort Mm -hmm. to like make sure that people in the community feel welcome of coming into a theater space because like the big t theater as we Mm -hmm. say it has not always been a welcoming place yeah and so like that's a lot of that's a lot of work (laughs) and that takes sometimes years to cultivate yeah um and other times you can you know like step outside and be like there's somebody new here at the theater and we really want you here. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it looks different for every place, but I love that community theaters have the chance to make that effort Mm -hmm. and really like put forth a grassroots effort. Like, like it's very encouraging that you're lobbying for, you know, on your feet because I I also love that musical. Gloria, Gloria Stefan is the best. Um, But (laughs) like, it's very encouraging to hear you lobbying for that because then I know that you have that in mind when you're thinking about like, what are, what is our season going to look like? Or who are we inviting in? And are we maintaining those relationships to make sure we have a bigger, you know, relationship with, with these people, with the people that are coming in. So Mm -hmm. I think that's very encouraging. Yeah. And it's, I was I've been in this role for over a year now and honestly I was getting like really discouraged in December December was really hard for me because it was like about like over a full year of being in the role and it was kind of discouraging like looking around and seeing like okay what change have I implemented you know and like how has like how has the theater been able to better like be accessible for Waco and how is it able to like be more accepting and welcoming like what work have we done and like it's hard you know like you look around and you're like well it it feels like it's kind of the same you know and it I had to like really like have a reality check of being like you came into this job knowing that like this is like a 10-year job this is like you knew you weren't gonna be able to do like ain't too proud or or anything like within the next year right Mm -hmm. you knew that was gonna be like a 10 or 15 like years down the line because you have to put in the work to like gain trust maintain trust and then like prove like the actions behind your words like and that's something that like I still have to like remind myself about because you get big hopes you get big dreams you know you want to like see the needle moving even further and then you're like whiplash back to like wait hold on like we're struggling to cast like this like two latinos in this role like we're struggling Mm -hmm. to do this and it's like okay but the point is is like we were able to get two actors and so they're going to like be able to show their community we will be able to like bring in like that trust and like building that that trust that accessibility is really important and it's hard to remember that sometimes like, because you just want to see things change. You yes. just want to be able to have, be able to have the ability to do whatever you want, you know, and like, just be like, theater's accessible. And like, we know that. And we know that it's for everyone. Theater is for everybody. Storytelling is for everybody. There should be no gatekeeping there. And then like being caught up in the reality of it, 
it's always kind of like overwhelming and then it gets negative. But then you're like, you go to a networking meeting and then a mom stands up and she's like, my son was involved with you guys over the summer and he's been busy this semester, but he's so excited. And I just encourage everybody to like attend like community theater, to attend like a show and like put their children into it because it's so valuable. And then you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's right. Reality isn't always depressing. Reality is like even one person like, their lives will be changed at least a little bit. And like, that's what we want to do. We want people to be comfortable in this world. That's why I love comics. It's a form of escapism. It's a form of storytelling and it's a form of representation. Mm -hmm. And so having theater as an option, as an avenue, like when I went to go see On Your Feet, that's why it's so special to me is my cousin's an actress. And so like going to New York was like the first time I was able to like see a show, even coming from San Antonio, like it was the first time I was able to see a show where I was like, oh, these are professional actors who look like my family. Like the mm-hmm. grandma on that show looks like my grandma. She's wearing my grandma's outfit. Like, <laughs> and I was like moved to tears because mm-hmm. I hadn't realized how important representation was to me. Like I knew it was important, but I hadn't felt it like that until yeah. I saw On Your Feet. And so I want to be able to have that experience for people in Waco in community theater where it's more accessible so that you can have that representation, you can have that moment, you can have that acknowledgement without having to spend the money to go to like a big town like Chicago or or New York or anything. Like it's not for people who live in one location. Theater is for everybody. Storytelling and representation is for everybody. And that's the big goal here. Mm -hmm. I I think that might be the best way to wrap this up actually (laughs) truly because i think you've hit the nail on the head i think Mm -hmm. community theater is that necessary in between Mm -hmm. because it means that theater isn't limited geographically for people to have that moment that can then be so important Mm -hmm. and so i think ultimately that's what we've spent the last while talking about is that community theater is people within the community performing for the community meanwhile forming their own community yeah right but ultimately it's giving people the opportunity to see stories they connect with to see themselves on stage to see themselves able to maybe be on the stage next time Mm -hmm. or any number of other things that inspire and uplift and change so Thank you for what y'all do and for what you do, Clarissa. If people want to find out more about you or about Waco Civic Theater, where where can they do that? Where can they find you? They can find us online. Uh, we are at WacoCivicTheater.org or WacoCivicTheater.com. I believe Eric got both of those because people are always confused. But you can also follow us on social media at WCivicTheater. And it's T-R-E, like theater with the, the tr instead of the tr. So, W Civic Theatre. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so you can find us online there, um, and you'll be able to look at our auditions and our upcoming shows, and just the community that we're building. Yeah, no, that's great. And if you want to find out more about us at Wild Imaginings, as you know, we are online at wildimaginingswaco.com. We our social media is Wild Imaginings Waco, and this podcast is Imagine This Theater Pod Theater with an R E as well um so but for right now thank you again clarissa for joining us this was mm-hmm. a lovely important and perhaps overdue conversation on this podcast um and we're thrilled to have you and for all of you listening thank you once more for joining us to imagine this 